We continue our journey through 1 Peter back in chapter 1, verse 7. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As we said in our last session, a tested faith becomes a trusted faith. When our faith is tested by the trials of life. And remember, the word trials comes from the Greek word pyrosmois. It's where we get our English equivalent, pyrotechnics, pyromania. So it has to do with fire. When our faith is tested through the fires of life, that fire burns away everything that does not belong, revealing the purity and the genuineness of our faith. However, Peter is not probing the purity of our faith as much as he is the product of our faith. So verse 7, so that the proof, that is the evidence of the genuineness of this faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire. I want you to hone in on that phrase, tested. Throughout the Word of God, we find numerous examples of faith being tested to prove it can be trusted. I immediately think of precious Abraham and his excruciating challenge to sacrifice his son, his only son, Isaac, in Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, the father of the Jewish faith is told or stated, now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham, same word that we see in 1 Peter, tested Abraham. For some 50 years, Abraham had been enrolled in God's school of faith. And now that faith was about to be put to the ultimate test. Genesis 22, now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. God had promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. However, as Abraham and his wife Sarah began to increase in years, that faith became seriously tested. Well, how can God make me the father of many nations when I'm getting older and older and my wife cannot have a child? Finally, in his 90s, Abraham decided he was going to help God out. And so he slept with Sarah's handmaid, Hagar. And the result of that illicit union was a young man named Ishmael. We learn from that experience how dangerous it is to try to play God. Because Ishmael 
became the father of the Muslim nation. And all of the hostility and the turmoil between the Jews and the Muslims now is a result of Abraham trying to play God back in Genesis. However, God was true to his promise. Sarah became pregnant. When she was told by the angel that she was pregnant with a child, she laughed. <laughs> but months later, she gave birth to Isaac. Everything that God had promised came to fruition. You can imagine how proud Abraham must have been as he watched young Isaac chase a covey of birds away or run around the tent post, looking at that precious promise, thinking to himself, God really does stay true to what he says. By the time we reach Genesis 22, Abraham is over 100. Isaac has become a teenager. And now Abraham's faith is about to experience its ultimate test. So he said, take now your son, your only son whom you love. How those words must have hurt Abraham. Your son, your only son, the one whom you love. Talking about digging in the knife. Take now your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which... I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his younger men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife, so the two of them walked on together. <coughs> Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamp for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. So they reached the top of the mountain. Abraham is about to make this ultimate sacrifice, the sacrifice of his only son. Isaac was bound, which tells us a great deal about Isaac's obedience because it could have very easily overpowered his father Abraham. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, the, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and found his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Abraham's faith was tested. But in the testing of that faith, it became evident 
that for Abraham it was a faith that could be trusted. Now the question is, if Abraham knew that God was going to provide a substitute for Isaac, his son, would that have been a test of faith? Absolutely not. And we tend to confuse this passage thinking that Abraham had faith that God was going to provide a substitute. That could not be further from the truth. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, that great hall of faith, we find these powerful words that I do not want us to miss. In Hebrews 11, chapter uh, chapter 11, verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, there's the same word, the word we find in Peter, the word we find in Genesis 22, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, in Isaac, your descendants shall be great. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. I do not want you to miss this, so let me read it again. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. Abraham believed in a God so powerful that if he could place the stars in the sky and give birds the gift of flight, that same God could even raise one from the dead. And in that respect, Genesis chapter 22, verse 5, may well be one of the greatest statements of faith in all of the Old Testament. In Genesis 22, verse 5, Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there. And we, do you hear the pronoun? And we, who is we? Abraham and Isaac. And we will worship, and we will return to you. If Abraham believed that God was going to offer a substitute for his son, this Genesis 22 is not any kind of, of test at all. But he was willing to offer his son knowing that his God could even breathe Isaac back from the dead. The test of his faith proved, revealed, made evident the trustworthiness of his faith. Or in Deuteronomy chapter 8, Deuteronomy chapter 8, all the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. You shall remember all the ways which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, here's our word, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, 
which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every day, these Hebrews walked out of their tent, and every day they found manna on the ground. If they tried to hoard that manna for the next day, it went bad and worms began to grow up in that manna. But every day their faith was tested, and every day God delivered. Every day their faith was tested, and every day God delivered. God was trying to create within the Hebrews the reality that a tested faith becomes a trusted faith, so that when they crossed the river and walked into the land of promise, they knew that God could take care of them. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 reminds us, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. What did God want from Abraham? God wanted faith birth out of obedience. What did God want from the Hebrews? Faith birth out of obedience. What does God want from us? You know the answer to that question. He wants our faith birth out of obedience. So as we obey in the midst of life's storms, our faith tested proves to be a faith that can be trusted. That is what God longs from us, and that is what God longs for us. Back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. The focus of our study in Peter during this session. So that the proof, that is the evidence of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable. Gold was the most precious and prized metal in the first century world. And yet Peter is reminding them and us that in the eyes of a holy God, a tested, trusted faith is far more valuable than gold. Why? Because gold only benefits us here. But a tested, trusted faith benefits, benefits us both here and hereafter. Not only that, a tested, trusted faith proves to be a rewarded faith. Remember what I said earlier in this session. Peter is not probing the purity of our faith as much as he is the product of our faith. And this portion of verse 7 is confirming that statement. Verse 7, again, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, here it is, may be found, that is the outcome, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice in this passage, Peter's emphasis is not on believers honoring God as much as it is God honoring 
believers. This is the end result of a tested, trusted faith. Does God praising you, does God praising me <laughs> sound sacrilegious? It should not. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25 and in the parable of the talents, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and another one, each according to his own ability. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went out and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, and this is what I want you to focus on. His master said to him, well done. Do you hear it? Well done. God praising the servant. Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. God praising the stewardship of the one who grew the talents. After the parable of the talents, we find the parable of the sheep and the goats. So again, right here in Matthew 25, we pick it up in verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, here we are, come, you who are blessed. Focus on that word blessed. Back in verse 3, we saw the word blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I, I told you then it was the Greek word eulogizo, from which we get our word eulogy, which means to speak well up. Notice here in Matthew 25, it is the same word blessed. It is God speaking well of the sheep. Blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So we rejoice in the storms of life, knowing that when our Faith is tested and prove, proves that it can be trusted. It makes God smile. Now, I, I want you to think about this. I got to put my Bible down because I get excited about it. I want you to think about it this way. Every time your faith, every time my faith is tested, and every time we respond to that test in obedience, you can almost imagine the multitudes in heaven hearing the father say, you see that? That's my child. He did that. She did that. That's my child. Do you see them? Do you see that faith? 
Now, as we talk about a tested faith becoming a trusted faith, I I cannot help but think about Peter himself in Acts chapter 5. Yes, the very same Peter (laughs) that wrote this precious epistle in Acts chapter 5. Peter had been in prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we find in verse 17 of Acts chapter 5, but the high priest rose up along with all his associates, that is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. They laid hands on the apostles and put them in a public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison and taking them out, he said, Go stand and speak to the people in the temple, the whole message of this life. Upon hearing this, they entered into the temple about daybreak and began to teach the very thing they were imprisoned for doing. Now, when the high priest and his associates came, they called the council together, even all the senate of the sons of Israel, and sent orders to the prison house for them to be brought. But the officers who came did not find them in the prison, and they returned and reported back, saying, Well, we found the prison house locked quite securely, and the guards standing at the doors. But when we had opened up, we found no one inside. Verse 24. Now, when the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them as to what would come of this. But someone came and reported to them, The men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went out along with the officers and proceeded to bring them back without violence, for they were afraid of the people that they might be stoned. When they had brought them, they stood them before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. Remember 1 Samuel 15, to obey is better than sacrifice. Then the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who owe Obey him to obey is better than sacrifice. But when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and intended to kill them. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law respected by all the people, stood up in the council and gave orders to put the men outside for a short time. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care when you propose to do what you propose to do with these men. For some time ago, Thutis rose up claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men joined up with him. But he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away some people after him. He too perished, and all those who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I say to you, Stay away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or action is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them or else you may even be found fighting against God. Then we get to verse 40. 
They took his advice, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then released them. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Wow. To find themselves to be worthy of suffering for the sake of the Lord. Their faith tested proved to be a faith that could be trusted. So here's the challenge for us. Face your storm in a way that will make God smile. And on that day, his praise will make you smile. Why do we do the things we do and who do we do them for? Because there is coming a day when we will stand before the one who would rather die than live without us. And I don't know about you, but I long to hear from his lips those precious words, well done, good and faithful servant. How about you? We'll see you next session. Thank you for joining us on this journey through First Peter. It is our great desire to encourage you in your faith by taking you deeper in God's Word. I hope you have found these sessions to be both inspiring and challenging. We do not want to stay where we are. We want to continue to grow. As we said in one of our sessions, one day Jesus will call my name. As days go by, I hope I don't stay the same. I want to get so close to Him that it's no big change on that day when Jesus calls my name. We want to help you get closer by growing you in your faith. We so very much appreciate you following us, whether you are following us on YouTube at Word Power Media Ministry, on Instagram at Word Power Media Ministry, or, or whatever podcast provider you happen to use. Again, Word Power Media Ministry. If you have found these sessions to be encouraging, please tell someone about us. It is a word-of-mouth ministry, and we need your help. We would also love to hear how we have encouraged you. You can reach us at wordpowermm at gmx.com. We would love to hear your encouragement. As I have said before, finding out how we encourage you encourages us. So thanks for joining us.